Hello everybody, Ben Marges here, the Raptors Digest, reacting to the Toronto Raptors 104-99 win against the Brooklyn Nets. Riker, game two of the series, not as pretty as game one, not a massive blowout, but still a nice win for the Raptors nonetheless. Absolutely, Ben, and let's let's put a shout out to our subscriber base. You know, we have some loyal fans and we're we're approaching 15k, so if you're not a sub, definitely hit that button. We don't normally plug it, but it'd be cool to hit 15 before uh, finals and Ben, big game. What are your initial thoughts? I don't know. The, it definitely we, the Raptors came out in this one really struggled off the bat, but at no point, I guess this is what happens whenever we play a team like the Brooklyn Nets, especially without their main guys on the roster. I never felt afraid at any point in this game. The Raptors were just missing shots they usually make, and when it came time to take over, exactly what I predicted, I'm sure a lot of Raptors fans did, it happened. The Toronto Raptors bounced back, started amping up their defense. Fred, Lowry, these guys took over. Norman Powell played a solid game. Siakam played a solid game, and I just thought it was a it was a solid night. Not obviously the, what you want to see if we're playing the Celtics or a top-tier team in the NBA, but certainly enough to beat the Nets. Well, we talk about the Raptors playing to the level of their opponent. It kind of felt like that, but also credit to the Brooklyn Nets. I'm saying it earlier this time. They came out mm-hmm. with energy. They started... I mean, yep. they had 22 points in the first five minutes, but Ben, and it wasn't even the... We'll talk about the final minute of the game a bit later, because it wasn't they actually closed technically down the stretch. They just closed in like the end of the fourth quarter. Um, yep. But we all st- we'll start talking about Pascal Siakam, and this is going to... it's it's going to segue like three things. It's going to roll it all into one. <laughs> We're going to bring back cuz normally we would like to do a segment piece specifically bashing the other team. The Nets, they're kind of already, they're kind of already a joke. I hate to say it, so we're not going to bash them. Instead, we're going to bring back comment of the day, and it's about Pascal Siakam, and then we'll just talk about Siakam tonight. This one, first comment of the day, it's from Game Improvements. It had me a bit fired up. We'll put it on the board. I'll just summarize it. He says Siakam Richie says Siakam should be averaging 25 points per game against the Nets B team. You guys should reassess your knowledge if you think that he's able to do this or that he's going to rebound or bounce back and be able to play better against the Celtics A team. And so I see where that that's coming from. But the but the, it's off basis and people have been bagging really hard on Siakam in the comment section and it's it's unjustified. Ben, feel free after to give a different take, but Siakam, he does not need to be a 25 point per game player this series and People complain about the amount that he's being paid. We're paying Gasol. We're paying Lowry. We're paying Ibaka. Nobody has the same complaints about them. You know, they complain that he's not our number one guy. That's not how the Raptors team is structured. There's different guys that win it on different nights. We don't rely like the Portland Trailblazers do on Damian Lillard for Siakam to score every time down the court in order to win. The Raptors are good enough collectively that other guys can shine as long as Siakam's being aggressive. And that's when it comes to, well, people are going to say in those important games, when it's down to an ISO situation down the stretch, we haven't seen that Pascal Siakam can actually take somebody one-on-one and score when it's important. But the obvious argument to that is it's never been important. It literally, the Raptors have not found themselves in a situation yet where they've been challenged down the stretch, except for maybe tonight. And Pascal Siakam, there's a big difference when you're up by 20 and you're, you know, trying to score as when the game's actually on your shoulders. And that's why Ben and I haven't judged him too hard because he hasn't been tested like that. And why do you need him to score every time when Van Vliet's playing this well, Norman Powell's playing this well, Lowry's playing this well. So huge monologue there, Ben. I'm going to let you speak for the rest of the podcast, but we need to defend <laughs> our man. We need to defend Pascal Siakam because he hasn't been playing bad. He's been aggressive. Gosh, darn it. Take it away. 
Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with all of that. Obviously, his efficiency hasn't been the greatest, and but I think that's a product of him just getting double teamed pretty well every possession. He's the focus of the defense, and yes, obviously he forces a couple possessions trying to get his game going, and that's fine. That's what you want to do when you're playing the Brooklyn Nets or some of these teams in the bubble, but when it's come down the stretch and the defense is a bit spaced out, he's actually performed really well. He's making a lot of great decisions out of the double teams, out of post-ups. He's drawing that second defender, and the Raptors are swinging the ball really nicely to get open shots for people. Unfortunately, today, unlike the first game, people weren't really hitting their shots. OG went 0 for 3, Gasol 0 for 1. Uh, Siakam hit a couple, actually, but he's the one drawn in the defense. Ibaka 0 for 4, Norm from 1 for 6 from 3, Fred 3 for 11. So not the greatest three-point shooting night tonight, so you don't really see the, the fruits of that great ball movement. But I think Siakam, yes, I'd like to see him maybe hit a couple more of those in-betweener shots, maybe take an extra dribble, get straight to the rim, be a bit more explosive. He's not playing perfect, and that's 100% fair for people to say, but as you brought up, people are completely bagging on him on Reddit, on Twitter, you know, going at him for different things, and he's been fine. He's not been Kawhi Leonard. He is not Kawhi Leonard just yet. Obviously, a topic of discussion has been, is Siakam a superstar? Is he going to be at that level? No, he's not that player just yet. But he's definitely a star guy. He's drawing double teams. He's not forcing the issue against double teams often. He's not making perfect decisions, but I completely agree with everything you said. Making a couple more free throws, that's a bit frustrating as well. Hopefully he doesn't miss four three free throws in the next game. But other than that, I've been happy with what I've seen from Siakam as well. Well, you know what, too? That, okay, one turnover that last minute, that was a bad turnover. But mm-hmm. the other consideration, too, is his defense. And yep. he can guard. He locked up Karis LeVert. Right, Karis LeVert was going for dribble moves, couldn't get past them, had to kick it out. That's you know, that's a that's a agile guard that he was able to clamp. And in a series against a bigger guy, he'll be guarding Giannis, he'll be guarding LeBron. If you look at other teams, right, that they don't have a player that can defend anywhere from the one to the five. That's the other benefit that people don't realize with Pascal Siakam. This team, it you have to hustle, you have to play defense in order to be on the court, and that's the reason that there's a point distribution as well, because everybody is tiring themselves out. But, anyways, that's you know Wait, that's he kept the ramble. Levert five to twenty-two from the field, five to twenty-two for Karis Levert. Yeah, like just, it's incredible. Just, it's it, yeah. and you know this, it's not the biggest challenge. I get it. It's the Brooklyn Nets. I get it. they are the bottom of the of the power rankings in this bubble in this playoffs, but. They they still went out and gave a challenge. They still have guys that can score. And the Raptors, they're doing it there on defense. It didn't really seem like it tonight, but sub-100 points, that's nothing to cry about. And Ben, a couple overall points in this game, too. Raptors, what did they shoot free throw percentage-wise as a team? 60%? Something real low, hey? I think it's like it, it looked really brutal. I don't have the stats 67%. In front of me, and normally, yeah. you're going to score between 80 and 90. So that you can add three or four points back to the board. Same thing you mentioned, the three-point shooting. You can add a couple more points back to the board. They'll normally hit a couple more shots than that. So really, the distribution, the spread in this game, I think it's more of an animality. And then there's guys that were used to scoring. Talk about them now, man. OG Ananobi, low output tonight. Gasol, yeah. low well, output tonight. Serge Ibaka, yeah. low output tonight. We'll talk about the low outputs. I feel like we've been sort of sort dealing with the negatives a lot to start off this podcast when there has been a lot of positives in this one. So I'm going to take it the other direction, Riker. Norman Powell, 24 points for Norman Powell tonight. Six rebounds, two assists, 11 of 17 from the field. And that's not even having a crazy outburst from the three-point line. What what were your thoughts on Norman Powell tonight? Because he's a guy that's getting his game going as the bubbles went along. 
did he not look like the best finisher out there for the Raptors tonight in the paint? Yep. Yep. Without a doubt. Yeah, that's my that's my big takeaway from tonight. He's been a guy that's been able to hit shots and to see him make some moves, finish above the rim over the likes of uh, Jared Allen, who is a fantastic shot blocker and some longer guys that, you know, they really were doing a good job in protecting the paint to see Norman Powell show his athleticism, be smart and attack the basket. That that that's the output that you've expected from uh, Norman Powell all season. And it's good to see. Yeah, and he's been doing it all all year. Obviously, his finishing kind of went back to 2017 norm, 2018 norm when the bubble came back around. But it wasn't quick for him to get his finishing back. And then once the three-point shot is cooking too, we're going to see those hot stretches for Norman Powell during this postseason run. But another guy that continues to be a monster, been the Raptors' best player for a while now is in this bubble. Probably the most consistent guy in the bubble, Fred Van Vliet. 24 points, 10 assists, 5 rebounds. Man, like he he shot eight of twenty two from the field, and they the Nets were really focused on him on defense. But the shots that he hits are so timely. He makes all his free throws. He makes the right decisions. Made some beautiful passes to Serge to get him going a little bit in the paint. And you know the the Nets game plan for him. They were switching bigs onto Fred VanVleet. They had Jared Allen trying to use his length to guard shots, and then when he drive around, they'd collapse the defense. But Fred was making seemingly the every the right decision every possession and. He, especially when the Nets went on their runs, because they played really well tonight, the Brooklyn Nets did, they played very strongly, were aggressive, attacking, all that sort of stuff, but when when the Nets went on runs, Fred really played the role of Kyle Lowry and keeping hitting the big shots to keep us in it. Oh yeah, definitely. And I just want to say too, though, on the switches, you're right, Jared Allen came out a lot on to defend Van Vliet and sometimes Lowry. And mm-hmm. they, they could take that matchup. They could get him off the dribble. But they did shoot a lot of threes over him, you know, on dribble moves, step backs, etc. But they were playing four small, the Brooklyn Nets were, and Jared Allen. The Raptors, they never played small except for one stretch where they had Siakam at the five. I thought that they should have tried to dump it in to the bigs a little bit more than they did because Luau Cabarro or Jared Allen, you know, those guys guarding Siakam or... Ibaka or Gasol down the paint that would have been more effective in my opinion but that's my only real criticism of of the game tonight and Kyle Lowry just doing Kyle Lowry things it's super impressive Ben that two six footers are scoring 20 (laughs) points plus per night like they look like studs out there yeah no most definitely I, I forget what game I was watching but uh I was watching one of the other playoff games either yesterday or after the the game, that big game that the Fred Van Vliet specifically had on Monday night. But one of the announcers was saying that it's got to be brought up that Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry are one of the best backcourts in the NBA. You know, you hear, you talk about backcourts. DeMar and Lowry always got a bit of credit for that. But you hear Dame and CJ and you hear Steph and Clay when they're healthy and all these different teams. But the way Fred and Lowry have been playing, especially in this bubble, you know, you you got to put them in the conversation despite their height for the top two back top backcourts in the in the NBA, right? Top two two guys, two guards that people start. And if you t- count the bench, I think they they get even more overpowered with Norman Powell being the backup shooting guard. So the Toronto Raptors really have a lot of firing power. And as you said, the Brooklyn Nets went small. The Raptors went big ish, stayed big for most of the game. But down the stretch of it, we uh you know to really close the game and seal the deal. You said we had Siakam at center, OG playing in the power forward. And honestly, I feel like OG's running the the PJ Tucker style center. 
uh, like the Houston Rockets run. Because even though Siakam's a little bit taller, OG's clearly the bigger guy, the better rebounder. So it's it's an interesting lineup we can throw out there when we run that super small ball unit. Especially, obviously, OG struggled from the field tonight. Had a really nice dunk after he got hit and had a couple nice possessions. But if OG's firing on his normal cylinder, I wouldn't mind seeing that lineup run out more often, Riker, because... That, that could be really nice. Well, the Houston Rockets, every time they win, they prove that protecting the paint, you don't need big guys to necessarily protect the paint if everyone's committed to switching and collapsing. And then the Blazers proved it last night in a win against the Lakers where they challenged the Lakers to hit down their threes, and they didn't. They missed. So in a game, you know, you, you can play a small ball and a small ball lineup and not sacrifice inside scoring. It can be done. And the Raptors are one of the best defensive teams. And you talk about OG, and you talk about, you know, not wanting to talk about the negatives. But I didn't mean the lack of scoring from our bigs plus OG was a negative. I mean, you you, you should add three or four points back from free throw shooting, because that was a bit of a blip, right? Mm -hmm. You can add two or three points from an extra handful of three-pointers made. So now you're looking at maybe, okay, 110 points that they should normally score. And now you're saying, Marcus Saul, we expect him to get six to ten, right? Yeah. OG Ananobi, you probably expect him to get another six, right? Uh, who's the mm-hmm. last guy? Ibaka, you probably expect him now to get fifteen to twenty. So especially those in a three guys, like this. Yeah, so you're adding. You could add another twenty points back on. That's why you can't really complain about those guys not scoring because when you have all of our other starters and Norman Powell, all of our guards getting twenty five points in a game, it's just there's only a limited amount of shots you can get up. So I'm just yeah. super thrilled at how resilient this Raptors team is and where the scoring can come from. Because OG, he, OG, Mark Saul, Serge Ibaka, they're not even scoring, and the Raptors are still putting up points in every way possible. Yeah, no, for sure. And there's a lot more we can talk about, and we can build on some stuff in the segments. But let's swing it into those record tonight. The spicy P lay of the day. For me, it's clear. Norman Powell, you alerted to his finishing early, how he was just being so explosive off the dribble, driving to the lane, had a couple nice dunks, but by far the best one was over Karut. I think that's how you pronounce it. Someone in the comment section said that in the last video. But this man's has been, Karut's has been complaining for left, right, and center to the refs, and just looks really annoying out there. He's really struggled from the field as well. Only two points for him tonight in 16 minutes, but he also tried to meet Norman Powell at the rim, and Norman Powell was having none of it. Came in, had a nasty little poster straight over him. It was it was one of those sneaky posters, because it comes on you out of nowhere, and then you watch the highlights, and whoa, that, that's a clean dunk for Norman Powell. He's showing off those bunnies in the bubble, Riker. And it had a lasting effect because they didn't want to challenge him at the rim after Mm -hmm. that. He blew by Jared Allen on a baseline drive, another slam, and then finished off the game with a huge dunk when it was only a three-point game, turned it to five, and put the nail in the coffin. That that dunk, that dunk, it was the same style, a nice little steal at the the end of the game to, to close it off, right, to really seal the deal. But that kind of reminded me of rookie Norman Powell versus the Indiana Pacers. Do you oh, remember Pacers. that, Riker? Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of a different that, dunk, but yeah, I, I remember that one too. Yeah, that, that was the one that sort of jumped inside of my head. You know, even though that is still a first-round playoff series and a not-closeout game, but, you know, to seal the deal. But those seemed a lot more stressful. Do you find that, like, the old first-round playoff series? Even though we still played, like, a seventh seed. I think the, the Pacers were a seventh seed that year. But I just feel a lot more relaxed, even when we're down against the Brooklyn Nets now, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. I This type of game, Ben, even down that big start, I think the concern would only come if there was maybe 
four minutes or less and there's a big lead for the Brooklyn mm-hmm. Nets. Otherwise, you're pretty confident the Raptors are going to be able to just tighten defensively, use their defense to get a couple of transi- transition buckets and, and then game over. Yeah, that's that's certain certainly a luxury to have being a being a fan of a team, especially during the playoffs. But not all plays can be the spicy pele of the day, and some just make you say, "Oh, geez, Riker, do you have an OGs in mind?" Well, look like Mister Freddie Van Vliet had one of the only blocks I've ever witnessed him get on Karis <laughs> Levert. That made me say, "Oh, geez." He was also extremely happy getting a an and one layup. Uh, I don't know yeah. if you noticed it, but he was really thrilled. He was pumping his fists <laughs> on the ground, <laughs> smiling, pointing at, at God or whatever. <laughs> he looked like just thrilled to get an N1. Because it, it kind of looked like, because Fred, I don't know if Fred's ever dunked in his tenure with the Raptors. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it looked like he, because Fred usually tries to finish underneath the rim, but he jumped high on that finish and then ended up getting knocked down, obviously. Obviously didn't yam it over someone or else. That would be the first thing we talk about in this podcast, but... He jumped. He jumped pretty high. Maybe it looked like he was gonna. He was gonna dunk that. De- those two plays definitely made me say, "Oh, geez, Riker, I completely agree with you." Uh, Fred. Fred was. Fred was balling out tonight. He's enjoying this. This bubble playoff style. But one thing we. The finally, the infamous, the one, the only, Damari Carroll Gold Star Award. And for me, Riker, you alluded to it earlier. The bigs tonight, particularly Marcus All. They they had post-ups in the paint, and half of it, I think, goes to guards got to be able to feed them in deep position more often. Obviously, it's tougher for a guy like Fred Van Vliet to throw a pass down low around a guy as long as Jared Allen, but, you know, firstly, like, the bigs have to demand the ball in the paint, especially a guy like Gasol, who's, because they're switching. They're taking, letting little little guys on them, and Gasol's a three-time all-star. Even though he's older right now, he should be able to take that ball in the paint in the post, not travel, and be able to take one, two steps. He's not going to get double-teamed down there, and and just finish. Finish over the top of people. I think Anibaka, he settled for four threes tonight. I would have liked to see them be a bit more assertive and finish around the rim more. Yeah, with Ibaka, for me, it was more like they needed to look for him in the paint. Yep. Uh, whereas Gasol, he's usually tentative, and I thought that the activity of the guys, like, credit to the Brooklyn Nets, they are mm-hmm. active, they're eager, they're all pretty athletic, pretty young, long, so I thought if him trying to, because he's a pretty slow, like, everything he does is pretty slow, so if you toss him down in the post, he needs a little bit of time to make a move, so maybe it's not mm-hmm. the best series for him if people are collapsing trying to get a strip, uh, but I thought Ibaka definitely could have done more and Marcus all it's just a reoccurring thing you've been a 16 point per game guy for almost all your career like how do you forget to score you know are you just not looking for it or was it easier when you were in Memphis <laughs> has the league changed that much in two seasons I don't know I would yeah. love to see him be a six to ten point per game guy it's not that much to ask for but again they yeah, can yeah. get it done without him so yeah maybe he was frustrated too that he wasn't getting the touches or something he looked very very angered on the bench whenever they showed the highlights he looked pretty pretty frustrated and stuff so that might be something to look for going forward but obviously Gasol is a veteran mature NBA champion no worries about him in the locker room or anything but it'd be interesting to see how Nick Nurse plans on utilizing Gasol in the next game I'd expect him to try and get him going and the final thing I sort of want to talk about Riker we only ran seven real players tonight only Mm -hmm. only seven guys Gasol only played 17 minutes which is also interesting but we're including him in that but Rondé only got six minutes, Matt Thomas got five, and we saw no TD, who had a, a remarkable game in game one in this Brooklyn Nets series. Are you surprised that we're 
Because usually eight. Eight's your number that you sort of rock with on a consistent basis, but, you know, we only are really running seven at this point. And Terrence Davis, especially after coming off a couple of nice games, Matt Thomas obviously got a chance in this one. I'm surprised we didn't see any TD. I think this is the first game he didn't play in, in his Raptors career, actually. I... I, I, I'm an eight guy. I'm an eight-man rotation yep. guy. I said, though, I wouldn't be surprised if we kept a tight seven this playoffs. It just yep. seems like that's where the trust is. That's the core Raptors group. You'd have to rely on new guys or rookies if you're bringing in an eighth or a ninth. That being said, I think the same thing as yesterday. I don't think Rondé Hollis-Jefferson needs minutes in this series. I think it's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And I think same criticism when I'm lower on Matt Thomas than when I'm high on him. I don't think his defense is up to par. I go back and forth. But tonight, yep. he got exposed. Even that little guy, who that 5'10 guy, the guard on the Brooklyn Nets, whatever his name is, D'Souza. Oh, wow. Gee, well, we were both off the mark yeah. there, I think. So uh, we'll hear about that. But Chibaza. he was even getting blown by by whoever whoever the heck that is. And I thought, Terrence Davis, this would be a perfect a perfect matchup, a yeah. perfect series to bring him in. Same with Boucher. You know, this is there's no physically imposing guy if you bring Boucher in at the four. And it's mm-hmm. a it's a good series. Like it's quick, it's fast paced, bit of three point shooting. I know. I thought those two guys should have got run, and I think they picked the wrong two bench guys to go in. But yeah, I, I'm in I'm in complete agreement on you with that because those are the guys that are playing better when they get their opportunities in the regular season. There's no real other way of putting it. Obviously, Matt Thomas can just get on on fire in different games, but all around, TD's definitely been better than him. And Chris Boucher has been better than Rondé Hollis Jefferson, in my opinion. He, he does all the same energy things. Rondé's obviously a bit more mobile, but the three-point shooting from Boucher, I'd like to... I think that just would suit us better as a as a wild card to have off the bench going up against the Celtics, going up against the Bucks, or maybe the Orlando Magic if uh, if the Bucks end up getting knocked out. But we'll see how the the rest of that uh, <laughs> that first round playoff series goes. But you're the best for making this far. Check out the Twitter, the Instagram, all that cool stuff. Riker, you have any last words? Long one, Ben. That's it. And what when do we play next? Monday. Friday. Friday. No more afternoon games. That's what I have it's to say. It's Friday. Friday. <laughs> oh, God. Rebecca Black. All right. Copyright girl. infringement. This one's getting pulled off of YouTube, Ben. <laughs> Tough. <laughs> Cheers.